everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. I got Hi, a, Mike. Hey, I got a puppy looking at me saying, why the hell did you do that? You snap so loud. We uh, clap before we get started so Mike could do his video editing and like our our puppy dro- like jumps out of her skin every time. He just looks at me in horror like, why would you do that to me? <laughs> you see, I'm resting. We do have a voice for her. I, I just did it. So like the whole family basically does the same voice. Yes. She's like, what are you sons of bitches doing right now? She always curses at us. She's, she's like, a- you fat idiot. Yeah, she's uh, she, she runs the show and uh, she's got a horrible mouth. Just- We're living in her house, not the other way around. Yeah, yeah, it's really sad. So uh, how you doing this week? Doing pretty good. Just rolling along. We got some trips planned. Um, yeah. Doing some podcasts ahead of time. So yeah, you're spinning like a top. You're going like every single morning. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, I got this. I got this. I got this. All right. Uh, did you order this? Who wants this for this? Because there's a lot of different things going on. A lot of moving parts in the, to keep this family, this dysfunctional household running. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wore a hat today. Um, I'm wearing it on the YouTube thing. It's an old Tampa Bay Rays hat. And I noticed that I've had it for like over 10 years. So I'm pretty excited about that. I had a kickball picture that was brought up to my attention from like 10 years ago. I'm like, wow, I've had it for quite a while. So. Yeah. You can kind of tell looking at it. That's about 10 years old. Yeah. But then it, it's kind of like nice because it shows that I'm not, not not a fair weather fan, you know. It's lived in. Even though I'm a White Sox fan first, but Tampa Bay Rays, hey, you know, we live over here. Well, well, I'm wearing a hat too, and uh, it's because we just walked our daughter to school and a little hot outside. So I look a bit of a mess if you're watching this on YouTube, but that's okay. We're just living our lives genuinely. We're normal people. Exactly. Just like you. Doing the best that we can do. Yeah. And uh, hey, if you're listening to this, uh, one free way to help us out is to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't done so already. And you know what I heard? I heard that it's good luck if you subscribe to this podcast. Yeah, it's like carrying a rabbit's foot. Yeah, like we t- have all around people are telling us, you know, I subscribed to your podcast and I found like a $200 bills on the ground immediately. I, I won the lottery. Yeah, it was crazy. So if you want to win the lottery, just kidding. But uh, hey, maybe you will. Um, just subscribe and then let us know if you win the lottery. Hey, speaking of lucky rabbit's feet, that was something because we were we were born in 1979 that that was something we had attached to our backpacks. And not me. Well, maybe you didn't, but in the 80s or 90s, whatever it was, I'm not sure. Now we tell our daughter that and she's like, wait, what? (laughs) She's like, it was an actual rabbit's foot. And I'm like, that's really messed up when you stop and think about it now. Yeah, they used to be at the checkout counter. I used to like rub them and just be like, yeah, that's a real rabbit's foot. And like their little nails were there and everything. And then they would dye them like funky colors, like pink or blue or whatever. And I'm like, man, that was really screwed up. Yeah, and we just normalized it. It It's just like, oh, everybody has a rabbit's foot on their back. <laughs> she could not believe it could have been like a pig's head you know i'd probably be much heavier but <laughs> right you would think but yeah, yeah. Or, it's something weird that it's funny how we just go along with things that are just presented to us as normal was that a big so listeners was that a big deal to you and like i know we have a lot of like uk and australia listeners so let us know if rabbit's feet were ever a thing yeah it was probably were. the late 80s early 90s i would say yeah now it's just call it. now it's just like white crocs um and little like doohickeys that hang from their things like our yeah they're has. like little fidget toys and such yeah. like our daughter has a million things dangling from her backpack yeah everything oh and our son wears sweatshirt and sweatpants every day to school even though it's 90 outside it we are sweating our asses off from walking to school and we're like he was wearing a massive hoodie and sweatpants and it's like 90 degrees at 7 a.m and i talked to him i'm like why is it like kind of in style he's like yeah i'm like okay is it also comfortable he's like yeah 
It's so, really in style to be a sweaty, disgusting mess. Yeah, I guess. And it, it was a great conversation we had. Typical teenager conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, ooh, god, teenage kids. Yeah. Wow. Hey, if you're struggling for questions with your teenagers, one that works for me is, uh, what's the most exciting thing that happened today? The answer is always nothing exciting happened. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But if you had to pick like one, the one thing that is the most exciting, it doesn't have to be exciting, just the most exciting. Then. The other thing he says is when I left school. Yeah, it's like okay, that's a good joke. You've done it a million times. Now, next one, please. Move it along kid hey shush our uh if you hear some little rumblings in the background our little six pound dog thinks she's pretty tough here and she's growling at something we're yeah. not sure what all right so do you have anything else to share mike um, are you ready to get started yeah i guess thank you for all the reviews on uh, whatever platform you're listening to us to keep uh, keep those coming and uh, i saw on spotify you can actually like comment and ask questions too so hmm. try that out if you're on spotify okay yeah we'll see okay. What, what happens all right well let's get going here so this story is the kidnapping of abby hernandez so it was wednesday october 9th 2013 and abby hernandez was a 14 year old freshman at kennett high school in north conway new hampshire and this was a town that's described as small picturesque and safe Abby was raised by her mom, Zenia Hernandez, who was divorced. She worked as a nurse, and she was raising her two daughters, Abby and Sarah. Abby was described as a happy, kind, animal-loving child who was more of a tomboy who loved to hike and ski. She had recently started freshman year of high school, and she had a boyfriend named Jimmy. She loved listening to classic rock music, especially Tom Petty. After school, Abby would sometimes take the bus home, but on this day, she decided she was going to walk, and as she did, the new boots she had worn for an early birthday present began to rub and hurt her feet, and it was starting to cause blisters. As she continued on, a car pulled over, and a man offered her a ride. She later said that she felt that he seemed like a typical, nice, average person that lived in her town, and again, she lives in a very safe and small town. And she didn't know this guy. No, she did not know this person. And I think when you come from a small town, you get like the reassurance that, you know, the world is a good place Yeah, because you're kind of contained in a known little safe bubble. So that's kind of where she was mentally at this point. So she decided because her feet were hurting so badly and he seemed nice that she was going to accept the ride. Careful not to let this man know where she lived. She asked him to drop her off at a local restaurant. He told her that he had to stop at Home Depot. When he pulled into a spot at the very far end of the parking lot where there wasn't anyone parked, Abby sensed something wasn't right. She began to feel scared at this point. She told him that she was close enough to her house. She was just going to get out and walk the rest of the way. As she took her seatbelt off, he began to dig into his pockets until he pulled out a gun. He pointed it at her thigh and told her that if she tried to scream, he would kill her. And I can't imagine at that point what must be going through your mind. She said she was basically flooded with pure adrenaline. Well, at this point, I'm just going to say what I'm thinking, that I'm thinking that you know this much of the story. So hopefully Abby's still alive here, but I'm, you know, you don't have to tell me yes or no, but that's what I'm kind of thinking. Uh, obviously, yeah, you don't want to get in a car with a, a stranger. That's just, you know, that's, that's tough, but you know, it's so nice to have people that are trusting and yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I actually talked to our daughter about this case because of, you know, she's, she's going to be 12 this year. Great and opportunity to do so. If you have kids or nieces or nephews, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it. it doesn't matter what somebody seems like, you know, Ted Bundy looked like a nice put together handsome guy handsome yeah you just can't ever trust somebody that you don't know abby didn't come home from school that day and her family wouldn't know what happened to her for nine horrific months holy cow nine months 
Xenia began to worry when time passed that, you know, she's coming home from work and Abby's normally home at a certain point. Abby wasn't there. So, of course, she's worrying. Abby's normally on time Mm -hmm. and everything and communicative and all that. Absolutely. And she had a cell phone, so she texts her daughter and she wasn't responding. And that wasn't typical of her. You know, teenagers, their cell phones are glued to them. They're quick to respond. Yeah, we know that when we're texting our son or daughter, it's not that they don't have their cell phone on them. They're just not replying to our Mm -hmm. message. And, you know, it's full stop. If we are paying for your cell phone, you're applying to us or you don't have a cell phone. Right. So she's not answering. And at this point, Xenia decided to go to the high school to see if she could find her daughter. Xenia began to panic when the librarian told her that she had seen Abby leave the school. So Abby was a responsible person. She told her mom where she was going to be if her schedule was changing. Xenia called local hospitals, but there was no sign of Abby. She was only three days away from celebrating her 15th birthday. And this was a day that Abby was extremely excited for. She was planning it. Xenia absolutely knew that there was no possibility that Abby had run away. At 7 p.m. that evening, Xenia filed a missing persons report. The Conway police began the search, and the attorney general's office, as well as the FBI, became involved. Abby's story was news headlines, at least in their in their local area. And, of course, they're looking at the school surveillance video, and Abby was seen leaving the school at 2.29 p.m. She walked through the field hockey field down Eagles Way and into a po- power line trail near the school, where she was then seen walking between about 2.30 and 2.35 During this time, she exchanged several text messages with her boyfriend, Jimmy, as he was riding home on the bus. He told her that he loved her, and at 2.53 p.m., she sent her last text, which was a heart emoji. Fourteen minutes later, at 3.07 p.m., her cell signal disappeared. It was about a mile from her home. Police needed to find out what happened in that time frame from when she sent her last text and when her phone just fell off the grid. That is super fast. So I wonder if she was in the car at 2.53 when she was sending a heart emoji. I would imagine it was before she got in the car. Yeah. So the FBI said that the last known contact between the cell phone and the cell network was a tower on the west side of Cranmore Mountain. Three days into the search, it was Abby's birthday, and instead of a celebration that they had planned, there was a candlelight vigil. Police were convinced that someone must have seen something because it was the middle of day, schools letting out. Obviously, somebody had to have grabbed her. Yeah, like everybody that was in this area, think back. Did you see anything at all? That mm-hmm. It was maybe a little bit out of sorts. And of course, they're posting pictures of Abby and saying, you know, if you have any information, if you saw this child walking, please contact police with any information you might have. Well, you know, there was cars that probably saw this car pull over. Right. So police look closely into the relationship that Abby had with Jimmy, as well as her own family, because, of course, they're going to start from the inside. Sure. They found that she was a very family-oriented person. She was extremely close with her mom. They had a fantastic relationship. She seemed to be a classic teenage girl. As the weeks went by and it approached the one-month mark that Abby had been missing, Xenia was falling into despair. And I can't imagine. I am a mom of a 14-year-old. And, you know, Abby was 14. I can't imagine my kid not coming home from school and not knowing what happened to them. It actually makes me feel sick to my stomach to even think about. So I can only horrifically imagine what this poor woman was going through. So she wasn't coping. She wasn't going through her normal daily routines and tasks. Of course she wasn't. She was ignoring even checking her mailbox. So when she finally checked her mail, there were many letters of well wishes, at least 20. Within the pile, there was an envelope that appeared to be a letter from Abby. 
In it, Abby wrote how much she loved and missed her mom and that she was alive and healthy. She asked her mom not to lose hope and to stay strong. She also wrote, I'm sorry I did this. Xenia was both ecstatic as well as confused by the letter. She didn't know what it meant. It was in her handwriting or was it typed? Okay. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. They definitely know that she wrote this letter. So she told her mom that she could not tell her where she was. The letter was sent 13 days after Abby disappeared and brought hope to the case because, you know, of course, they're thinking, what are the odds that she's going to show up alive at this point? Well, yeah, you know, the tale after 48 hours, her chances drop dramatically. Dramatically. So this is giving them hope that, oh, my gosh, she's alive. It was sent 13 days after. Absolutely. So they did definitely find out that it was Abby's uh, DNA was found on the envelope. So it was it was surely her that did it. Investigators didn't know what to expect from the letter. Was it a message to reassure them that she was okay? And would we hear from her again? What's what's going to happen from here? I mean, you got to think the killer forced her to write this so that, you know, he's not looked at again, mm-hmm. you know, and just like... I mean, it, it, it's nice. It's as screwed up as it is. It's at least they know she's still alive or can hope that she is. You know, maybe she, you know, she forced her to write it or he forced her to write it before he killed her, you know, but you hope that she's alive. That's the hope. So investigators also struggled with the decision. Do they release this information to the public? Because it was possible that it was considered that maybe Abby sent the letter without her captor realizing it. Mm. You know, we don't know what the situation is. Yeah. So eventually. Uh, although it would say that. She would have said that if that was the case. Yeah, you would think. You would think. So eventually the information was released to the media and Abby's case remained a missing persons case. After learning the information, public opinion, of course, social media, everyone's got their opinions, like we said. They're like a-holes. They started to express the idea that Abby was just a punk teenager runaway. The rumor mill in her high school started to speculate the possibility that Abby had gotten pregnant and ran away. The information within the case fit the description of an abduction, though, because Abby hadn't taken any of her personal belongings or money with her. Smart. She only left with the backpack on her shoulder, whatever she was carrying from school. This is why you let the experts take care of things. Yeah. She wasn't able to drive. Her boyfriend was cleared from the case. It's not like he took her away somewhere. The case soon grew cold, though, and the holidays and the new year was coming and it was going, and she still never reached out again. Not to mention, you can look at her texts. See if she texts any unsolicited numbers or whatever. Right. I don't know if that's And you the right know they, they definitely yeah. looked into her text messages. Right. We know that. And anything else, you know, any pings that she could have been on places. And it's like, no, this mm-hmm. seems like pretty cut and dry. She yeah. got taken. So according to the experts, this was an abduction. And you got to hope that somebody in the police force is like, no, you know, like takes charge and like kind of is the champion of like, no, she's, she's taken against her will. We got to find her. And that is what they, they continue to maintain that. Good. So the man who offered Abby a ride was 34-year-old Nate Kibbe. When he picked Abby up, his initial helpful demeanor quickly changed. When he pulled the gun, he threatened to slit her throat if she tried to escape or cry out. He took the baseball hat he was wearing off and put it on her head, covering her face with the brim of the hat. He handcuffed her hands behind her back. From the moment that Abby realized in horror that she was being kidnapped, her survival instincts immediately kicked into high gear, and she remembers thinking that she had to work with this guy. She said to him, I don't judge you for this. If you let me go, I won't tell anybody about this. She asked him then if he was going to rape her. He asked her how old she was, and she told him 14. Good. The negotiations did not work at first. Abby would become Nate's prisoner for nine torturous months. Can you possibly imagine the horrors that this child 
lived through. Yeah, horrible. So as Kibby continued to drive, he caught Abby trying to peek from under the hat that she was wearing. So, you know, she was trying to see where is he taking her. He noticed. She immediately felt a horrific pain in her leg. She thought he had shot her because, again, he had pulled out a gun and pointed it at her thigh. Yeah. But it was a stun gun. Oh, my God. And he took her cell phone. As he's driving, he's breaking it, you know, saying, hey, people can be tracked on these things, so I'm going to break this. So he did. He broke her cell phone. He took back roads to avoid any kind of traffic signals because, of course, these can be equipped with cameras. He then brought her to his property and placed zip ties on her that were so tight they eventually left scars. He gagged her. He placed tape on her eyes. He wrapped a T-shirt around her head and put a motorcycle helmet on her head, and then he raped her. He let her watch the news about her disappearance Abby watched as her mom begged for her safe return, sobbing in this video during a press conference. This was the first time that this brave 14-slash-15-year-old began to cry when she saw the pain that her mom was suffering. That's so sad. Man, burn this guy alive. He's useless. He cannot be, like, redeemed. Like, I just, like, he's, oh, God. It's so horrible. It really is. So, Nate drove Abby just 30 miles. Sorry, it's just so hard to think that a teenager had to live through this and she did everything she could you know she realized of course you know i shouldn't have gotten in this car but she you know good for her instincts kicking in right away i love the fact that she said she was 14 hoping that you know he would think that was too young to yeah, rape her and I stuff mean, a child. that's brilliant that's really i mean so so smart of her in this situation and should should she have you know, gotten in the car absolutely not but she's in it so she's let's try in to the car she's a kid yeah kids make crazy mistakes and decisions right. it's part of being a kid yeah and uh just none of this should have happened and where does this guy come from it's uh, you know this is why we listen to stories like this where does this guy get off just picking up a random kid it was it was random right he didn't yeah, know her. he had never seen her in his life oh my god Nate drove Abby just 30 miles north of Conway to where, you know, from where she lived to his mobile home community in Gorham, New Hampshire, keeping her hidden in a red cargo container on his property. When Nate placed a no trespassing sign near the container that sat next to his own trailer, his neighbors never even thought anything about it because they always found that he was a very odd person in general. Uh, Not a big surprise. No. Anybody that would randomly drive 30 miles away and pick up a, a child and rape them like a psychopath. The cargo container had cost Kibby about $3,000. It had multiple rooms installed within it. It had electricity and space heaters. It was soundproof. Neighbors had no idea what was going on within its four walls. When he left for work, he actually had to drive back into Conway from where he took Abby from and actually drive past the police station every single day on his way to work. I probably got off on it. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I know what you guys don't know. Yep. And meanwhile, when he would leave, he would leave Abby r- gagged in the shipping container. He would play heavy metal music all day long just in case she could get out of the gag and scream. What a nightmare. And she had to listen to this shit all day and long. And just like they played like a clip of what would be an example. It's something that would just make you insane to like listen to all day long. Death metal. Mm-hmm. like Which is like my idea of hell on earth and a good day. I mean, I can listen to 
that stuff for 30 seconds. But I mean, can you imagine having to listen to that all day long and being in your own personal hell? And then he lets you watch the news about this stuff and your mom crying out for you. He's like torturing her inside and out. Yeah. What a monster. So as time went by, Kibby told Abby that he found something more humane rather than gagging her while he was gone. And he placed a dog shock collar around her neck. He told her to try to scream. She slowly began to raise her voice. And then, of course, the shock collar is doing what it's meant to do. It's kicking in. He said, "Okay, well, now you know what it feels like. So he also told her that if she tried to escape and open the door to the container, the room would catch fire. It would basically just erupt into flame. What he had done was he drilled these fake wires into the door frame so that it looked like it was rigged for something. It wasn't real, but she didn't know that. I mean, once you get desperate enough, it's like I'd rather die in a fire than wait for this guy to come home one more day. Mm-hmm. You know? So he also forced Abby to wear a diaper. He referred to himself as master. He did not call him by his name. It sounds like a lot of the time he was wearing like these very scary masks on his face to obscure what he looked like. But she did end up seeing what he looked like. So he showed her his massive gun collection and threatened to kill her entire family as well as their family dog if she tried to escape. He's like, I know where you live. How do you know all this? He may have been lying. He picked her up from the but side he knows of the about road. The family dog. Uh, maybe she said something. I don't oh, know. Maybe, yeah. So Nate was born on July fifteenth, nineteen eighty. He frequently rubbed classmates the wrong way as he made his way through high school. Many felt that he was aggressive. He was cruel. He was basically described as just like a horrible bully through school. How's his younger years? Do you know anything? They didn't say anything about what his childhood was like. But, you know, classmates in high school described him as a loser, a weirdo, and, of course, people within his own neighborhood, as he's an adult, feel the same way. He worked at a machine shop. He was actually said to be a model employee. He definitely had a darkness inside him, obviously. He developed a reputation with local law enforcement. They knew him well. At one point, he got in trouble for grabbing a 16-year-old girl who tried to get on a school bus. I don't know if this was while he was in high school at the time. What did he, he do with this girl? They didn't say. It sounds like he just maybe grabbed at her. She reported it. Nothing escalated from there. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely signs that he's not well. Yeah. He provided false information when obtaining a weapon. He was found in possession of marijuana, just on and on. He was an unpleasant, argumentative person. He was a conspiracy theorist who was known for his frequent anti-government rants. Just a nutbag. Huh. So neighbors knew him as a loner. Some referred to him within the neighborhood community as Crazy Nate. Debbie Deemers lived in the area. She often would tell the local girls, do not go near his trailer. Stay away from him. People just knew their, you know, your radar goes up, like stay away from that guy. Hmm. So he loved guns, loved them. He was one of those, like his whole trailer was like decorated in American flags, the American flag pillows, rugs, wall things. He thinks he's being a super patriot by mm-hmm. buying all these guns and all, you know, the the whole the man is against us and that whole thing. I, I think we all know somebody like mm-hmm. this and it, they're people you don't want to hang out with. No, you're yeah. like, uh, you stay there, I'll stay here. Bye-bye. Yeah. So during the time that Abby remained in captivity, in March of 2014, she's still in this red shipping container, Nate was arrested and charged with criminal trespass and assault for an incident 
that with another woman. Apparently, they had gotten into a minor car accident together, and he followed her home. She asked him to stop taking pictures of her car and then pushed her to the ground on her driveway. During his arrest on the trespassing and assault charges, police seized the pistol that he was carrying, and in a later position or petition, he called this an immoral and irrational, unconstitutional restriction of my civil rights. And then he's off the deep end. Oh, he's a nut. And you know he probably gets himself into these situations so that he can spew his rights. Well, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, he's just watching YouTube all night long and just looking at these, you know, you know, taking down the government and all this kind of stuff and right. just a danger to society in general. A condition of his bail included turning over his massive gun collection. And police were very surprised when, you know, the typical confrontational kibby, they're, you know, waiting for him to spew his constitutional rights. Instead, he's calling the police department himself, which never happens. The police officer's like, it's never, ever happened that somebody's reaching out and being proactive and not waiting for the paperwork to be processed that this gun collection has to be taken. He's actually reaching out. So they were and like saying, here's hmm. my guns. Yes. Huh. So then he meets the officer at the curb when it's time to confiscate all of his weapons. He has them neatly lined up in all their cases because he doesn't want any trouble. He doesn't want any reason for the police to look into him. He's got Abby in the shipping container. Right. So the officer who went to pick up the um, weapons recalls looking at the shipping container on his property and being like, what the F is that? You know, the officer's like, this guy's a friggin' weirdo. Well, you have to search his property for no, other... No, oh. they didn't. They didn't have any reason to do so. Well, so, you got to make sure that he's giving all his guns. Like, uh, how do they know he's not hiding stuff? And even, I, I don't know. That wasn't a stipulation. Yeah. So, of course, the officer, like I said, is, is noticing this 40-foot container, but they didn't investigate. They said they had no reason to get any closer. Little did they know that they were only feet away from where Abby was being held prisoner. I mean, you know, you got to follow the law. And if that's the situation, maybe it's just like you you give it him the option constitutionally. It's like you're supposedly giving up all of your firearms. If we ever find one on you, then that's on you. But right, right now is your opportunity. Yeah. And there were so a lot of them. You can't blame the cops for not going in. They couldn't. So a month later in April, Kibby was fired from his job at EMM Precision, where he'd worked for five years. Uh, again, he was described as a good worker. He was only let go because the business was slow. In July, the assault charges that you know he had gotten with this minor car accident, they ended up being dropped. But the alleged victim was quoted saying, he is not a normal person. He is not right. So just the like short period of time this woman interacted with him, she's like, this guy's a nut. Can you imagine? Like He tackled her in the driveway? Well, you, I think everybody can picture this guy. He probably wears black you know, shirts or and like pants all day long. Camo or something. Yeah, and he's pasty white. You know, He's one of those, what they refer to him on the internet, involuntarily celibate. Um, oh. which means like nobody will ever have sex with you because you're such a disease. Basically it's, it, they call them incels. Oh, okay. So they, they sit in the internet all day long and talk about conspiracies and it's like, eh. yeah, you know, I'm not saying like having an American flag is bad and like no, you know, supporting well, our country. Of course not. That's awesome. I love America. So the other thing that, I mean, it's, it's being that sick, sick person where there's mm-hmm. always something in your mind, like they're out to get me. And right. You it's know. just that negative, like feeding. Yeah. So despite an immer- uh, is this, excuse me, despite the immense torture, 
Abby never lost hope while she was in captivity. She said, I feel like hope, even when you feel you've lost everything, hope is something that nobody can take away from you. Just keep that and it will keep you going. She said throughout all the prayers that she continued to say over and over in her head, she never once ended them with amen because she did not want it to be like a period at the end of the sentence. She didn't want to feel like God had left her. She wanted to live. What a effing warrior she is like unbelievable i got i actually have chills right now just thinking of this girl her mom's done a hell of a job raising her it's just like incredible that she has this much like uh, i don't know like gusto in her to stay Mm -hmm. and this will to live that she never once in nine months with this monster did she give up she continued to strategize a way to stay alive to maintain the idea of establishing a bond with Kibby, telling him, look, you don't seem like a bad person. Everybody makes mistakes. If you let me go, I won't tell anybody about this. As time went by, Kibby became more trusting. She said, and I got a lot of this information that I'm telling you from Abby's mouth herself. It was in a 2020 interview. I figured. I mean, nobody else would know this information. Right. And she said that at one point he even said, you're like the closest thing I'll even ever have to a daughter. So despite the fact that throughout her nine months of captivity, he continued to sexually assault her. And then I'd I'd imagine that she's becoming less attractive to him because, you know, he's basically treating her like a a farm animal. You know, she has a diaper on all the time. He's she's definitely not treating her right. You know that because he probably doesn't treat himself right. He probably has bed sores and crap. I mean. And so it's like transitioning from this hot thing that he wanted to maybe a daughter now he's thinking because he's taking care of her. And he's right because no woman or any person would sleep with this guy because he's a sack of shit. He's disgusting. Um, But no, the sexual assaults never stop throughout the nine months. This poor, poor girl. So she felt that part of gaining his trust was going along with whatever he wanted to do. Clinical psychologist Rebecca Bailey later praised Abby's resourcefulness in such a situation of terror and how absolutely remarkable she was. They basically said it's like it would be like how to survive something 101 like she did everything she was supposed to do in a situation like this just based on instincts yeah and, and it's, it sucks that you got to say do whatever they want but then they become like you become yeah they they think that you're part of them you know that you're in a relationship it's right. like oh yeah she likes this okay yeah and then she, he might treat you a little bit better well and the whole thing is she's thinking in her head how do i get out of this alive because you're always fearing is today the day he's going to kill me because he has to get rid of me because I know who he is. She still didn't know his name at this point, but because, you know, they're, they're spending a lot of time together because he was let go from his job. He's giving her things to do to buy time. He gave her some books. One of them was a cookbook. He basically said this way you can learn how to cook because you're going to have to feed your man. Of course, one of these guys, he's got the, Oh yeah. A woman's job is to serve her man and learn how to cook. I guarantee this guy like, this dude tate i forgot his name I, yeah everybody knows who i'm talking about here i guarantee he followed jordan peterson i guarantee he was on reddit like he's he fits into this criteria of like i mean you know there's some things that these people say that are interesting but like he just fits this like mold of these losers that sit there and just think alpha male alpha male right. it's like you're not an alpha male if you got to talk about how much you're an alpha male exactly so while she's flipping through this cookbook, she noticed the name Nate Kibbe written inside. Nice. You know, she's a very smart girl. So she turned to him and she said, who is Nate Kibbe? And, you know, she just wanted to see what he was going to say. And she said he took a breath and said, how do you know my name? She also had been given 
given a ruler to use that had the initials N-E-K written on it, so now she knows his name. So when Kibby allowed Abby to write the letter to her family that, you know, Zanya finally got, she said she first took her fingernail and, like, made an impression with it to write the word help in it so that her mom knew she didn't just voluntarily run away. He found this... And when he did, he held a stun gun to her feet in punishment. Abby described this as the most pain that she's ever felt in her entire life. So then he instructed her to write a second draft. He is the one that told her to write, I'm sorry I did this. Because he wanted her to give off the idea that maybe she ran away with somebody. Sure. And that she wasn't taken yeah, but in a sense, she also meant what she wrote when she said this because she was sorry that she had trusted a stranger and made the decision to get into this person's car. Yeah. Well, so you know, like hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. And if, if there's any podcast that would like give her shit about this, then and if you listen to them, I would suggest never listening to podcasts that go over this and have any kind of victim shame. I would because hope we that, all make mistakes. Yeah. And I, yeah, obviously, sure. Yeah. Looking back, absolutely shouldn't have gotten the car. But and part of being a kid is making mistakes. Unfortunately, this was a mistake that could have caused her her life so she wrote the letter so she wrote the letter the letter was postmarked on october 23rd it didn't actually arrive till november 6th when Zenya actually checked the mail and got it i'm not sure but while in captivity kibby told abby that he had been abused while he was incarcerated for 42 days during high school i guess a lot of the time during this 42 day um, juvenile detention or whatever he was actually sent over to the psych ward of things because he was considered a risk to himself but he was basically telling her this because she was wondering how he knew how to tie her up and such. So he indicated he learned these techniques when he was being abused in the juvenile system. That's what he told her. And he said he wanted to start making counterfeit money because they owed him. And Abby volunteered to help him. Again, she wanted to seem like his trusty sidekick, somebody that was a friend of his, so that he would be less likely to kill her. So again, she wanted to agree with anything he said to make him happy. Yeah, it's a great idea. And this is the kind of guy who's such a douchebag. He wants constant reassurance and people to validate his thoughts. Yeah, because nobody else did. And once mm-hmm. she is, he's like, oh, this is perfect. Well, in 98%, 99% of the population, I was like, fucking weirdo. 99.9. 99.9. He's a loser. So Huge loser she's trying to become a confidant of his which is brilliant absolutely in july of 2014 a woman that kibby had met online this is lauren monday she contacted him apparently they had spent time together like very briefly it sounds like they got like a hotel room together he was basically just like comforting her i don't know it seems like he had a very deep hole inside of his body that needed filling and she was helping him do this so um in return for the hotel room he gave her three fifty dollar bills she goes to walmart she goes to to the register to pay the person at the register checks it it's counterfeit and she's going to be getting in trouble and she's like oh Ah, shit good and you know like that's so awesome about abby staying alive because you know this dumbass is going to screw up somehow right and a whole like you don't know you hope and thank god so she is pissed off sure she tells the authorities exactly who gave her this money. Sweet. She then contacts Nate and says, I, I told the authorities 
authorities and they're coming for your ass. She yeah. said, whatever you're making in your damn basement, you better clean it up right now because ah, they're coming it. for your ass. She felt bad. A so bit. she was pissed. Sure. She didn't feel bad. But why tell him? Why uh, give him a heads up? I think she just wanted to confront him. And like, being like, hey, I'm the asshole. One. I'm yeah. the one that told him. So good luck, asshole. Yeah. On the night of July 20th, 2014, Kibby is like rushing out to Abby. He's like, I got to get you off my property because the police are likely coming. He gave her the clothes back that she wore on the day that he abducted her. They got into his car. Wearing his baseball hat, he actually took her to Dairy Queen where they had their last meal together. They ate in the parking lot of Dairy Queen. And Abby's release was very abrupt. You know, she's there and then all of a sudden she's being shuffled out of there. So Abby's released from where? Captivity. Okay. So from Dairy Queen, he takes her to a dark back road where there's like no cars, tells her to get out of the car. And then as she's getting ready to close the door, he's like, oh, give me my hat back. She throws the hat in the well, car. She's got to figure that she's going to get shot right now. She she doesn't know what the yeah, hell is she's happening. She's got to be scared out of her wits. This is happening very quickly. She He tells her, give me my hat back. She throws it into the car. She slams the car door. He drives off. Holy shit. This She's, never happens. This never happens. I mean, what are the odds? What are the percentages? Wow. Minimal. Nine months with this guy. So she takes a mile walk home, and there's actually video surveillance from her mom's security camera of her walking up the walkway. Oh, my God. After nine months, she said as she was approaching the front door to her home, she could hear her mom on the on the phone. Should we put the link in the show notes? I think I mean, I'd be, want to see this right away. I think it'd be really cool. It was like really gave me chills just seeing her face as she's walking up to her house. She said when she opened the front door, she saw her mom's face immediately. And she said that her mom seemed to have like changed in looks because of the stress she had lived through for nine months of not knowing, is she ever going to see her daughter again? Absolutely. So it's just absolutely unbelievable. She described seeing her mom as such a beautiful moment. Kibby told Abby that if the police were to come to his home, he would immediately go to her house and kill her and her family. Huh, tough shit, buddy. You're going to jail. Nice you know, try. She's terrified. She's coming out of nine months of trauma. So initially, she was so scared to tell her mom. She said, I can't tell you who had me. And the downside is that you think that he's going to be free eventually because it's not a murder charge. So mm-hmm. you know... No, it's because you didn't kill her, you're going to get out of jail in five years like, and then do it again to somebody else. Or come for me and my family. Right. So she's terrified. But finally, about a week later, she told everybody who had her. Um, and she said this was Nathaniel Kibbe. He lived in Gorham, New Hampshire. A SWAT team raided his property. At this point in time, he already has his guns back that were given up. You know, they, they were released back to him. So a SWAT team's coming, not knowing what kind of situation they're going to have on their hands. This guy's a nut. He's going to go down firing. He is loaded with guns and ammo. So it ended up, though, that so this is July 28th, 2014, that they went to his home. He was taken into custody without incident. Thank God. Because he's a huge pussy. And of course he, this he is. is all conjecture and he's trying to be a tough guy and you Should've know gone down and fight no i don't want any police harmed i want him harmed i want him filled with bullet holes and ne- never living again because i don't want this guy ever to see the light of day unfortunately exactly. sorry if that's too much but the police were basically saying that this is so exactly this classic person who acts like they're so tough oh you're tough because you have a 14 year old girl in handcuffs that's the situation where he's the tough guy but when it comes to police officers who have him 
under them. He's not a tough guy at all. Sure. That's exactly this the type of person that this this guy is. And there's so many just like him, and yep. it's disgusting. It is. It's it's totally disgusting. He was arraigned on kidnapping charges in order to be held on a one million dollar bail. His criminal record dated back to 1998 when he was 18 years old, and he was found guilty of assault at that point. On May 26, 2016, Abby, or I'm sorry, not Abby, Kibby pleaded guilty to seven felony counts, including kidnapping and sexual assault, though he was not char- charged with anything to do with the counterfeit. They just left that off. Why? I don't know. Weird. I really don't know. But he was sentenced to 45 to 90 years in prison. Oh, fantastic. This girl, Abby, is incredible she is remarkable she is far more brave than i will ever be and she's a child she gave him she gave a victim impact statement at a sentencing at at a sentencing you can listen to it online it truly took my breath away she said that the two years that had gone by since she was a prisoner had gone both fast and slow she said that what he'd done to her impacts her life on us in an everyday basis she's afraid to tell anyone her last name at school since her name is tied to what happened to her she said that others may think of him as a monster but she sees him as a human she told them that she forgives him abby made sure that he knows that he put himself in prison you did this to you not the other way around i didn't do this to you when the gun was pointed at me and i was forced to stay in your home those were your choices not mine she said this to him directly directly as he sat in the chair during his sentencing and unfortunately it'll be in one ear out the other because this guy's unhelpable Mm -hmm. and you know like unfortunately we all know people like that who just won't take responsibility just be like it's always somebody else Abby said that she has actually come to appreciate her new outlook on life that he gave her, that this harrowing experience gave her. She said, every time I go outside now, I really try to appreciate the sunlight, the fresh air. I really want my, like, I breathe it into my lungs differently. I try to never take that for granted. So she actually said, thank you, because you gave me this new outlook on life. Abby has since moved to Maine. She has a child of her own. She works as a hairstylist. There was a 2022 movie called Girl in the Shed. It was released about Abby's story. She actually worked with the cast on the details to give them an accurate recount of what happened. And sometimes people can be so horrible that after all of this came out, people online were calling bullshit and saying that she made the whole thing up. And meanwhile, the police are like, we went to his home and every single detail she told us fits what we found at this home. We were there. There's This is 100% true. Like, leave her alone for leave God's sake. Leave her alone. This girl was put through an experience that a lot of people couldn't mentally survive. And she did. And now you're doubting the accuracy and saying you you ran away with this guy. Well, unfortunately, you go to the internet and you have keyboard warriors that just, yeah, will say anything. They're just very brave behind those keyboards, aren't they? Yeah, that's unfortunate. But so, thank God for Abby. What an amazing, like, <sighs> shine, bright light of just hope. I mean, I'm truly amazed by this girl <sighs> and that she did, like the book, what she should have done to survive this situation. She did it. She survived it. She never lost hope. 
And the person who interviewed her on 2020 had, you know, talked to a psychologist and was like, she recalls these horrible things that happened to her, her to the extent that we can't talk about most of the things that happened to her because it's on 2020 and we can't talk about those things. That's how bad that's they were. how bad they were that most of these things can't be shared on TV. So she, the person who interviewed her was talking to the psychologist and was like, gosh, she says it with such like matter of factuality. And the, the woman's like, it's because it's she this is this happened to somebody that like it's not her. It's like compartmentalizing to somebody else like it happened to somebody else and that's how we survive trauma yeah and that's you know it's interesting that's how they say you need to get over certain things in your life too like whether it's drug abuse or like being obese or whatever it is if you're trying to get you know to to a different side like you kill that old person you're almost Mm -hmm. like that was somebody else you have a new identity and then that's your new identity right and that's what she needed to do and she definitely needs to make sure she keeps up with help and everything and talking to people because this isn't natural for anybody i mean that's such a horrible trauma but at the same time unbelievable that you know her story's not done she's she's got a lot of work to do to make sure i'm sure forever i can't imagine when you you know she says he he affects her life on a daily basis when she closes her eyes at night she sees the situation that happened to her how could you not yeah so young yeah it's just such an amazing story of survival and determination it's truly amazing how awesome well i mean awesome that she was alive and able that to she lived through living. this horrible that that piece of shit is still living unfortunately yeah nate kibbe you are a certified asshole piece of shit and i hope he dies a very slow painful death i know it's terrible to have that kind of thought in my heart but it sickens me that he could have done such a thing to a 14 year old girl well, most importantly, Abby forgave him, so that's really all that matters. But, yeah. Um, you know. Well, she's a better person than I am. We can think that he's a piece of shit and needs to burn alive. So, yeah. Okay. So anyway, well, that's Abby's story, and she's amazing. Yeah. And well, thank you all for being here, for joining us, for listening. Absolutely. And if you like what you hear, uh, the good news, there's 25 more episodes that are only for our patrons. Yep. So, so if you ahead. like to binge. Right. Go ahead and do it. I mean, if you want to do it for like a couple days and then be a patron, you know, leave us, and we'll miss you. I mean, we'll miss you. And we want you in our club forever. Yeah, but hey, you do you, boo. You do you, boo. Yeah. So uh, thanks and welcome to the Crime and Coffee Couple Club to Madison and Dolores, two lovely people. Exactly. Inside and out. Um, And also, they're getting huge good luck charms here. Just like, boom, boom, you know, not not quite rabbit's foot good luck charms. (laughs) No. But just good luck charms. Just boom, boom. You can feel the karma coming to you. I had lucky charms for breakfast the other day. So, yeah. Right. Um, And then we want to say, too, just a reminder, we are pre-recording episodes because we have some trips happening so if you do not hear your name mentioned if you become a patron just know that we have not forgotten you you are in our hearts and we will say your name when we get back on track 100 percent. yes and until next time bye, bye.